Look at the book of Hebrews. We're going to go there, chapter 11. How many of you like humor? Let me see your hands. Let me see the hands of all the people who like to laugh and like humor. Half of you. Now we know what's wrong with the other half. I don't know where I heard this story. I think it was Joel Osteen, but it might have been an old story from Pastor Billy Joe, but, but I just love it. They're in church, and this little three-year-old was being dedicated to the Lord. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I haven't seen you for a long time. And, and uh, this little three-year-old was being dedicated to the Lord. and So the de- dedication service went fine, and the pastor dedicated him to the, to the service of the Lord. And afterwards, the little three-year-old was really, really quiet in the car, which was unusual on the way home. And finally, the father said, uh, you know, Johnny, are you okay? Is everything all right? And he said, oh, yeah. And he said, well, you just don't act right. And, and he said, well... It was this dedication and the service with the pastor. And so, well, what, what happened? What made you feel so bad? And he was almost crying. And he said, well, when the pastor dedicated to me to the Lord, and he said that he prayed that I'd be raised in a really strong Christian home, and I wanted to live with you and mom. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I like to laugh. We're going to be reading in, in Hebrews, and I, I've been doing a kind of an informal type series uh, this year on 2014, Position for Victory. And uh, the first one was the power of love. And without love, you will never walk in the fullness of the victory that God has for you. The second one was the power of your thoughts and a renewed mind. And if you don't deal with your mind... You're just going to have a rough time as we continue to enter into the end time of Matthew chapter 24, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and that we're going to have to get our minds straight and renewed on what God is speaking to us. And then last week we talked on the power of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit and that there are times that we are entering into around the world where you have to know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and then you have to act upon it. And today we're going to be talking about the power of faith. The Word of God in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the victory. So let's all say, I have the victory. So therefore, we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. No matter what happens around us, We're going to be okay. We're not going to be moved by situations or circumstances. We are only going to be moved by our faith in what we believe. And that we will see the impossible made possible because we're going to stand on the Word of God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll turn there, if you have your Bibles, it's it's a scripture that's familiar to almost all of us. I thank God for all the people that have mentored me and and input into my life. Pastor Charles Hackett, the first one that I just love that band and still do. And, 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 and I learned faith and I learned things in, at First Assembly of God. And then God sent us to Tulsa, Oklahoma, came in contact with people like Kenneth Hagin and 
Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Seville and Pastor Doherty. And people were, who were of and are of the Word of Faith movement. Charismatic, believing in the gifts of the Spirit and the Word of Faith. That whatever God said, He meant. And whatever God said, He is capable of doing. And if we line up with Him, then the power of God will flow. And when I heard those messages, they just began to change my life. And Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 1, a familiar scripture to many of you, says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's a concrete assurance that I believe what the Word of God said and therefore I cannot be moved. I know that I know that I know what I believe God is speaking to me. That's Hebrews 11, uh, 1. And then it goes on to say in Hebrews eleven six 6 that by faith, we please God. How many of you want to be pleasing to God? This is a participative service. I think we have 25% of this congregation who want to please God. So I'm going to try this one more time because I don't think you mean what you just did. How many of you would like to be pleasing to God? Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God your hand went up. And just tell them if it's your maid, especially I'll tell you when you're not pleasing to God. <laughs> Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he comes to God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now that word diligently is crave. You know what it's like to crave something? To just really... Once. You all know what it's like when you're talking about food or something like that. You just, just, I have to have it. I have to have it. Remember that time we were in bed watching a commercial on television and it was that ice cream? It was some kind of ice cream. You would not think I'd be this stupid to do this. I got out of bed and went to Marsh and bought that ice cream and we didn't, I did. And we didn't even like it. It cost us like five or six dollars. Remember that? Got, got out of bed, but, but it was just like that commercial, just, we just had to have that thing. Went and got it, wasn't any good. But, but that's how we should be for God. And, and I don't un understand how God did this or how he worked it, but that we can find out when we get there, I guess. But, but I know this, God is happy and satisfied and pleased in you, not when you work harder, pray harder, or do all the things you should be doing that you aren't doing, Okay. He is pleased when you walk by faith. He is pleased when you plug in to the power that comes from the throne room. Now, why he did it this way, I don't know. But he set it up that when the faith that comes from God, because in Mark eleven twenty two 22, it says have faith in God. All of our faith is based on our faith in God. We have faith in God, and when we plug into that faith, it pleases God. Now, this is why it pleases God, I believe. He wants to reward you. Tell your neighbor, God wants to reward you. He wants to give you things. He wants to help you. But just like all good fathers should be, we love to reward our children. How many, how many of you, you parents, you know the answer to this. You do not like to withhold things from your children. Our, our, our children have said from time to time that, that we love our grandchildren more than we love our children. 
we tell them that's not true. We just know what we're doing now. <laughs> With you, it was a total experiment. With the grandkids, we know what we're doing. And, and so it, it gets to the point when you love to give them. The other day, I got a call from uh, Pam, and I was out praying really about this message. And Pam called me, and, I, and, and she said, uh, could you please go get uh, Jack and Carter and Carter's girlfriend, they're, they need a ride from school to wherever they're going. I think, Carter's girlfriend, surely. The, I mean, I knew he had a girlfriend, but I didn't realize they were going out after school somewhere. So, but, but anyway, it's just like, wow, how, how the age, you know, just flies by so fast. And so I, I, I went to pick him up at school. And I said, hey, how would you guys like to go to Igloo? And, oh, yeah, yeah, we all want to go to Igloo. So we went to Igloo. And I just, I just. Couldn't wait to buy him something and do something for him. $13 later, I was thinking of a drink at Igloo. They were thinking of a drink and food at Igloo. $13, I didn't have enough money. I had to get my credit card out. $13 later, we were still on the way somewhere. But I just love doing things for those grandchildren. It just blesses, bless, they're blessed by it. But I believe it blesses me more than it blesses them. I believe God is blessed when we plug into faith, do what he says, plug into what he says, and believe what he says, and the blessings begin to flow. Kind of like that pump where you go out in the field and Zig Ziglar does a great motivational speech on this if you've ever seen him with a pump. and you just It takes forever to pump to get the flow coming from the farm and from the well, but once you get it flowing, man, it gushes out. I believe that's the way faith is. But if you stop before you get that flow coming, and you let it go, you lose the prime. A lot of believers can get into a position where they don't realize how important faith is. Without faith, you cannot please God. I don't care how long you pray. I don't care how long you read the Word. I don't care how long you get down on your hands and knees. It will not please God but one moment of believing God by faith that He can do whatever He says and God is pleased and everything starts flowing your way. I believe He wants to bless us. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, they, God wants to bless you. Now, in 2 Corinthians, and you all know this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, if you've been in this church for a while, says we walk by faith and not by sight. One of the first people that I really started to follow when I got out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, was Fred Price. And I don't know, how many of you know who Fred Price is? He's got a church out, uh, Crenshaw Christian Center, I believe is the name of it. His son is starting to pastor now. But Fr Fred Price would, would preach these messages, and I would listen to him and shake my head. And I'd think, who is this guy? But the more I would listen to him and Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland, and over and over and over again, they would talk about faith. Faith. Bill, is that you back there? I was looking for you the first service. I'll see you after this service. <clears throat> Give Bill a hand. He is a Vietnam War veteran. We just thank God for his service to our nation. And the more I would hear these guys talk about these things, and I think, man, that sounds awfully good what they're saying, but can that really be true? If it's in the Word of God, it's truth. Let's all say, I believe the Word. 
And when I would hear Hagen talk about Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, we're going to read there in just a moment. But I, I think every time I heard that guy uh, preach, he said the same thing. I was supposed to make an announcement, and I forgot it again this service, didn't I? Pastor John is going to take a six-week sabbatical. So pray for him, drawing close to the Lord. So for the next six weeks, he's going to be hanging out alone with God. So if you want to bother him, go ahead. But I think he would prefer to be alone with God. So he's going to be on a six, did I say six week? Yeah, because I slipped one time and told somebody six months. Whoa, that would be nice. Everybody say six weeks back at Easter time. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, have faith in God. That's all set. That's a good idea. You know, sometimes things happen in our lives that it's just beyond our realm of where we have been. It's beyond our comfort zone. How many of you have a comfort zone? You can raise your hand. You have one. You, you don't like to get out of that comfort zone, do you? And, and uh, it's just like if you walk up here and say, uh, let's see, well, who can I use? I don't want to use Chris because Chris will say, I'll do anything. So glory <laughs> to God. Maybe Joel Livesey said, Joe, I want you to come up here and do communion today. I don't want you to tell everybody about all the good things that are happening in your life. And, uh, and sometimes you can start to feel the adrenaline flow. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're put on a spot at, at the moment. How many of you like to be put on the spot in a moment's notice when God would call on you and you say, hey, I'd like for you to come up here. According to your school principal, so you're probably pretty good. You're probably used to some of that. Oh, you're not? Oh, we'll use you then. No. <laughs> But, but when we were out in, in, in Tulsa, uh, I, was, I was basically a gopher for Pastor Billy Joe, and I knew that. And I loved every minute of it. But I was learning to walk by faith, but I didn't really know for sure how it worked. Does that make sense? In other words, yeah, I heard Copeland talk about it, and I heard this person talk about it. But then how do I apply that for myself? And sometimes you don't know until you get there. You don't know until you're up against the situation. And in this one particular service at the Christ Chapel at Oral Roberts University, we're sitting there and, and worship has started and I'm sitting behind Billy Joe. And, and I would probably be in a position like, let's say, Mark Hassett. Uh, first service, I needed something. I turned around. Mark Hassett was there. He came right back up. He met it, took care of it and got it all taken care of. Uh, Greg, same way, back there, Hatfield. And so I'm... I'm right behind Billy Joe Doherty, and we're worshiping the Lord, and a huge crowd of people out there. And Billy Joe looks over his shoulder, and some of you probably heard this story before, but looks over his shoulder, and he says, Bill, did you lament? I thought he wanted something. And I leaned up, and, and we're in the second row, and he said, did you lament call you today? And I said, uh, no. That's his secretary. And I said, no. And uh, he, he, she leaned back and said, are you prepared to do communion? And it was a Wednesday night communion service. I'd never done communion before. And uh, I said, no. <laughs> and he went on worshiping the Lord. And he leaned back again. He said, how long does it take you to get prepared? <laughs> well, I, I knew what he meant. And I'm telling you, the adrenaline was surging through me. My mind was going blank. Uh, yeah, I've never done communion before. I've seen it. Well, I knew what he was saying. So I leaned back up and I said, I'm prepared. And he said, good. And you take it out of worship. Well, I'd never taken it out of worship. I'd never done communion. And I wasn't really sure how to do either one. Uh, 
And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, what is it that we do here? Well, I think you go up and you just open your mouth and you ask people to receive Jesus. And that is exactly how it happened. And I remember going up there, taking it out of worship and taking it to, to the people and saying, you know, if you don't know, close my eyes, close my eyes totally, because I didn't want to see anybody, because I knew I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't want them to think it was a deer caught in the headlights, uh, that type of thing. And so I remember going up there and, and giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus, and then opening my eyes and seeing all these hands that were up out there, these people who wanted to know Jesus and receive Jesus. And I thought, wow, this is really kind of cool. Once you've done it, your faith has been released. Does that make sense? But if you hold your faith back, then you never release it. Then you're never going to go to that next level. And afterwards, when I turned around and came back, I remember just, it was just as if the Lord said, that was me, not you. It wasn't anything I did, but it was just yielding to the power of God. See, when you have faith in God, God will always come through. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, it is faith in God. That's what we're releasing. And then it goes on to say in verse number 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, in his, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and what? You will have them. Last night, there was a reception for faith at, uh, over in Blaze. And Mark, I'd asked Mark how much money she needed. And the whole expense was, what, $9,000? $9,000. And they were going into that a little bit short of $9,000. Mark said, I don't know exactly how much it is, but I think it's a lot. Something to that effect. After the night was over, Faith now has over $10,000 of the $9,000 going to acquire the fire. Teen Mania, if you want to get involved with it, see Mark or Laurel Hassett, and you can drop some money off to him after the service. God will always come through if we're doing what God said. But you are the one that has to release your faith to do what God has called us to do. We are releasing our faith for a building here in Lafayette. Matter of fact, we'll just take this time right now. We're going to pray for Mayor Roswarski. He's a good man. Everybody say, Mayor, Mayor Tony is a good man. That's our building, I believe. Can you give the Lord a hand? They have even gone out in the interim period and put our name up there. Now, in case you're hearing a visitor... We're playing around and doctoring this picture up. Our name is not on that building. But two, uh, recently, I, I shared this on Wednesday night. I was with a couple in our church, and, 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 and they've been here a couple years. And they said, well, they weren't exactly sure where the building was. And I thought, wow, if they've been here two years and they're not sure where that building is, we need to reemphasize that to some of the newer people. If you're heading toward West Lafayette on Highway 52, and you go by the Inoc building and 9th Street Road that cuts across in front of the jail and right into Highway 52 there, you will see on the right-hand side this beautiful white building that we believe is ours. We have talked to the owner of the building, Mr. Sachs, 
a wealthy Jewish gentleman in Manhattan. He believes that it is God's will that he gives that building to us, not free. He's never said he's going to give it free. He has said, I wish I could give it to you, but I do want to get you in that building. He has said that I believe it is the will of God that you have that building for your church, and I believe that it will be a feather in my cap if I help you get in it when I get to heaven, and I'm going to help you get in it. So let's give the Lord a hand for that. We are releasing our faith in that. But Mayor Roswarski feels that to rezone that for general business and take that off the tax rolls would take money away from the city. So he's not in agreement yet, even though he is going to have some type of an epiphany in the middle of the night. The Holy Spirit's going to wake him up. Jesus is going to sit on the edge of his bed and say, Tony, Tony, Tony. (laughs) Because we, as a church of love, acceptance, and forgiveness, will never be a detriment or take anything away from this city. We will add to the city by occupying that building. So we are releasing our faith in Almighty God. And if for any reason we have missed God on that building, then he's got something bigger and better. But we are going from glory to glory. Can you say amen to that? So we are walking by faith and not by sight. Now, I don't want any of you leaving here being upset with Mary Roswarski. He is a good man. I like Tony. He's doing what he feels is in the best interest of the city. But I know that the best interest of the city of Lafayette, Indiana, is to see to it we get in that building. In Jesus' name. So you come into agreement with us. Now, I want to share with you, in Romans 4.17, it's a story really talking about Abraham. Abraham is the called the father of our faith. And Abraham, just summing up all of this, but in verse 17 of Romans chapter 4, it says, God himself speaks things that are not as if they were. That's how you and I are to live our life. Not to be speaking forth situations and circumstances, but to be speaking forth the Word of God. So that when something contrary to the will of God surfaces, we don't start talking about that. We stop and take a moment and determine, how am I going to trump this thing with the Word of God? Storms come, mountains come, but we are not moved by any storm or any mountain. And it goes on in verse 20 and 21 in Romans chapter 4. Abraham was fully convinced. Everybody say that. One of your biggest challenges is fear, doubt, and unbelief. Everybody say it. Say it again. So you'd like to get rid of fear, so you look at fear. No. You'd like to get rid of doubt, so you look at doubt. No. You'd like to get rid of unbelief, so you look at unbelief. No. The way you get rid of all of them is walk by faith. If you walk by faith, you will never be fearful. If you walk with, uh, with faith, you will never doubt. If you walk with faith, you will never have unbelief. It will, it will absolutely pour that stuff out. Years ago, I used this example, I think, uh, of uh, when, I, when I was in the restaurant business, 
We, if you, any of you ever been in the restaurant business, you know what I'm talking about. When you drain a shake machine, if the shake is still fairly fresh, you keep it. You put it in the, in the refrigerator. But, but when you drain a shake machine, you get what they call overrun. And overrun has a little bit of bacteria in it, so you always want to scrape it out and get rid of it. But if you scrape that bacteria out with a spatula, which is how they teach you to do it, you start to churn it. And when you churn it, it starts to fall down in there, and then, yeah, it'll eventually come back up, but it's a pain in the neck. It takes a long time to do it. All you got to do is go get fresh shake. And you pour fresh shake into that U-shake, and, and you do it slowly, that, that overrun stuff and bacteria will come right up to the top, and you can just shake it right off like that. You pour in faith into your life, fear, doubt, and unbelief, it's going to be gone. You'll never have to be concerned with it another day in your life. All fear is based on a lack of faith. All doubt, based on a lack of faith. All unbelief, based on a lack of faith. So you get to concentrate and focus on faith, you never have a problem. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he said. Are you fully convinced? Yes. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, let your face look like it. Are you fully convinced that you're going to have all the finances that you need? Oh, glory to God. Are you fully convinced that all of the family are going to serve the Lord? All of your in-laws, all of your outlaws, all of the people. Uh, in other words, you get to the point when you're going to walk and talk the word of God. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. Holy Spirit, good morning. We are awake. What are we going to do today? In other words, you will not take a care for anything. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast every care upon the Lord because He first cares for you. What are cares? They're distractions. They're trying to get you off of the Word of God and the will of God. When you really get a hold of this message, it will almost seem like nothing bothers you. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing should bother me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We are going from glory to glory to glory. We're going to encourage, edify, exhort people everywhere that we go. We see somebody down in the gutter. We're not going down to them other than to pull them up and get them out of the gutter so that they can go from glory to glory with us. And we're going to tell them that God's plan for your life has never changed. God still wants to bless you. And in Mark, uh, excuse me, in uh, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4, we're going to go over there in verse number 35, but it's a story of the disciples. The disciples were an interesting group of people. Glory to God. One minute up, one minute down, one minute they were powerful with, with Jesus. The next minute they were a surly group. Turn to your neighbor and say, sound like he's describing us. <laughs> I, I mean, there is hope. Have you ever, how many of you have ever seen this thing? I can't find it. I have to find it on the internet. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, uh, management consulting firm survey of which of the disciples had the best chance of really being successful. Any of you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's really a powerful, and all of them have their attributes and all, but when they got all finished, there's only one, Judas. He had it. He was, he was the man to be promoted in there. And it talked about all the attributes of people. Folks, we have 
got to get to the point, in these end times especially, the darkness is going to intensify. Everything that, Matt, everything that Jesus said in Matthew 24 is going to happen. You can pray all you want. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen. He said it's going to happen. Second Timothy, what said in, in what Paul said in Second Timothy, it, it's not going to happen. It is happening. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ and this Bible was not written just for America. It was written for the world. If you're a Christian living in Ukraine, you don't have the liberty we have. You've got to really fight the fight of faith over there. You've got to fight that fight of faith. You've got to know what the Holy Spirit's saying. You're a Christian in China. Boy, you've got to really fight that fight of faith. And you've got to be so tenacious in where you are because they don't have our liberty. So around the world, this gospel is the same as we preach. But in America, we are blessed. But don't you ever take your liberty for granted. Liberty in America and the gospel of Jesus Christ is under attack. And if you think that everything is going to be quesera, quesera in our country, I hope you're right. But I don't feel that. I feel like we're in for some real storms. And I think we're going to have to get to the point when we realize that no matter what storm, no matter what mountain, I'm going to be okay because I'm standing on the Word of God. I know what the Holy Spirit is saying. And I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Can you say amen to that? So here's the scenario, because it fits right in with where all of us are in our day-to-day walk. The disciples are hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus said, we're going to get in the boat and we're going to go across the Sea of Galilee because there's some work for us to do. Now turn to your neighbor and tell them he is paraphrasing all of it. You can't find it like that. But he's basically saying, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. We got some powerful things to do over there, guys. And they're high-fiving. They're having a great time. They're saying, jump in the boat. Jesus is with us. We have nothing to be concerned about. We're moving out. He's paying all the bills. We got Judas here. We got all sorts of things. You know, we got it made. He's got the credit cards. We're doing awesome, man. There's no problem. So they get in the boat and they take off. And then all of a sudden, there's a storm. Tell your neighbor, there's always a storm. There's always a mountain. There's always a storm. You're always going to have an opportunity for something. So you might as well get used to it. So they're doing what Jesus said to do. Jesus is going to sleep in the boat. Maybe he likes storms. I don't know. Maybe he likes the rocking of a boat. It sounds kind of good. Just rocking in the boat, the storm, the lightning. I can see it. I can just see taking a nap. It's like, oh, glory to God, give me a pillow. I'm having a ball here. It just was really, they were on a mission. And all of a sudden, they realize that the waves are getting big and the storm is really raging and and they're concerned and they, they think, well, we might perish. So they go to wake up Jesus. Have you ever been around somebody that just seems totally removed and lethargic to the trials and tribulations of life? You did. You did that. It's like, if God can't figure this out, he sure doesn't need my help. (laughs) We are in deep doo-doo if he can't figure it out, because I don't know what to do. This happened. When we came back to to start this church, some of you heard this story, but we came back to start this church. I was pretty good. I set the budget, and, and we had, I think we could live for two months without any income. I think we had two months. And uh, we, anyway, we did our, we did our thing. And, and, and you would think that I would be smarter than this. I forgot 
to budget the U-Haul truck to bring us back. Now, I know you're saying, how could you do that? It's easy for me. I, I just, I forgot. So anyway, I thought, well, how, how much can that cost? I went to the U-Haul company, $790. So now we are sure. We, I do not have that money. We do not have that money. We got $790 for a truck, and I don't have the money. And I said, well, I don't, you know, Pam said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. God knows my heart. I didn't do it on t- intentionally, so I guess God will take care of it. About two or three days later, a guy came by our house, and he'd been talking to Pastor Doherty, and they felt to give us $1,000. Oh, glory to God. So now, not, not, I'm not $790 short. I'm $210 ahead. We can eat on the way home in the U-Haul. That's exactly what we did. We ate on the way home with the U-Haul and that little Lhasa Opsa dog on my lap driving that U-Haul. So in a moment's time, if you walk by faith, God will always be responsible to do what he says he's going to do if you're doing what he said to do. Does that make sense? When we went from the first location to this location, now we're going to that location, uh... I was concerned because we didn't have enough money to pay the rent. Well, well actually, I've never done anything for God. I had enough money. I, 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 can't, I don't believe anything God's ever asked me to do. I've had enough money to do it. Now, by faith I have, but never, never in the natural. And so when we were coming over here, I was driving a U-Haul truck. We moved the whole church in one day. And uh, I was driving a U-Haul truck. When I pulled up out back, uh, I was just kind of mumbling to God, just... It wasn't exactly praying, but just like, you know, God, I'd just be nice to... Have you ever asked God just to do something just really supernatural that you can just know it was Him? And I was saying something like that. I don't remember exactly what. I backed the truck up and I looked across the street and there's a guy sitting in a car there. And he's going on to be with the Lord, but his name is Keith Brown. He's never been to our church, never been to our church, never, never ever came to our church. And he gets out of his car and he runs over and I roll the window down and I said, well, Keith, what are you doing here? And he said, here, I believe in what you're doing. He threw this huge roll of I didn't even know what it was on my lap. And he turned around, scurried right back and jumped in his car and took off. And I looked at it as a huge roll of cash. Bill after bill after bill, tens, twenties, fifties, hundreds, all wrapped up there. And I was laying there on my lap and I was like, God said, I did it. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, wow, this guy doesn't even come to our church. The other day, when we were talking about Purdue University and some of you I, I had shared, I brought this along just to show you. I don't know why, but I just felt to. This is Purdue University's memorandum of understanding with the nation of the South Sudan that they are going to engage with them. Thanks to all of you praying and your financial support. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. We need $30,000 for the first venture that we're going to underwrite. And once we get this thing off and running and have a success story with Purdue, then it looks as though we may have the Gates Foundation, we may have the Buffett Foundation, we may have USAID and World Bank lined up, and they may get involved also. So we thank God for that. Now, right now, we need to pray for peace and stability in the Sudan. But we need about $30,000. 
several weeks ago now, about four or five weeks ago, I had just casually mentioned to the church that we're going to need on this first phase about $30,000. We don't have $30,000, but I've walked by faith long enough now to know this. If this is God, that is a, that, that's happening. That's no problem. Just a question of how. And if it's not God, then I'm in trouble again. I have, <laughs> I have been there before. I have, I operate in three areas of my life. Number one, I think it's God. Excuse me. Number one, I know it's God. You cannot shake me. Number two, I think it's God. And number three, if this isn't God, I am in big trouble. <laughs> and this particular one, after the, I announced it on a nine o'clock, just very casually, nine o'clock service. Somebody came up to me after the service and said, hey, I'm going to give $5,000. Tell somebody there's a matching grant and, and, uh, and they can give $5,000. Whoa, that's great. So we got $5,000. Casually mentioned it in the second service. Somebody came up out of the service and said, I'll give $5,000. Now we got $10,000. Somebody who doesn't even attend our church was on the internet, heard it on the internet, called up and told my wife, hey, I want in on it. I'll give $5,000. We now have $15,000 already and we haven't even promoted it because we're not even sure what we're doing. <laughs> Glory to God. Money cometh, money cometh, because, see, you'll never be limited by money. You'll be limited in your mind of faith, doubt, and unbelief, but you'll never be limited by money. It's just a matter of zeros on the end of numbers. I heard Billy Joe say this years ago. It's just a matter of zeros. $100, I can believe for that. Well, why couldn't you believe for 1000 It's just one more zero. And so we get to the point when walking by faith, we believe what God said. So the disciples are back in this boat and they're going to go to the other side because Jesus told them to go to the other side. So they're doing okay, but the storm came and they hadn't counted on a storm. So they're waking up Jesus and Jesus basically said to them, where's your faith? Why are you fearful? Where is your faith? Now, this is what I believe with all my heart. Who told them to get in the boat? God did, the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He told them to get in the boat, so that issue should have been settled. Now, some people preach this different ways. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But I believe this. If you can rebuke a storm that's in front of your boat, rebuke it. If you can't seem to get the storm rebuked, sail through the storm to the other side. Does that make sense? In other words, don't let a storm or a mountain stop you from doing what God has called you to do. If God has called you to do something, get in the boat and do it. And if you want to take a nap while you're in a boat, go ahead, because God is going to get you to the other side. And basically... What Jesus did was rebuke them and said, you guys are fearful and you should be walking by faith. I believe what he was saying was, I told you what to do. I told you to get to the boat. I told you we're going to the other side. That issue would be settled. Whether you go through a storm, around a storm or whatever, you are moving ahead with what God's called you to be. Can you say amen to that? So God's got plans and purposes for each and every one of you. There isn't a single one of you here today that isn't facing a mountain of some kind, some type of a storm that you, have either, you are either currently facing, you have faced, or you're going to face. The storms of life are coming. Let's all say it. They're coming. The mountains of life are coming. Insurmountable, seemingly objects that are there, but they're trying to take your attention. They're trying to root in your mind so that instead of speaking to the mountain, 
you're describing the mountain. Does everybody understand what I just said? Instead of speaking to the mountain, you're describing the mountain. Oh, my, 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 the mountain looks so big. Oh, my, 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 my. We used to have a girl, and her name was Thelma, by the way. Uh, not Thelma Snugs, but uh, an intern student out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And her name was Thelma, and she was, she was, uh, she was a, a spunky little girl. But every day when she'd come to class, she had a problem. And, and she would have a one-upmanship problem. How many of you have been around people like that, that they, they, they brighten the room when they leave it? That was this Thelma. And she was like that. And, but she was a lot of fun. She really was. But she came in one day, and she had one up over everything else she'd been through. And, oh, Pastor Bill. No, yes, yeah, they did call me Pastor. The Pastor Bill, this, 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 da 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 And she went on and on. And she would always make you weary as she talked. And when finally she got done and I said, Thelma, there's no hope for you. And she, she just looked at me and she said, there's no hope for me. There's no hope for me. I said, no, 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 no. Not until you change. You got to change your confession. You got to change your mind. Some people just need to change your mind. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, maybe you just need to change your mind. You need to get out of that negative stinking thinking stuff and get into the thing of God and say, you know what? I'm going to the other side. It doesn't matter what. She began to make a change because she changed her mind and she began to walk by faith, not by sight. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.